Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast again. My name is David Bickford. I'm the pastor here at the Potter's House Church in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, uh, this this message I put together today is called Hitting the Wall, Trained, Fuel, and Pace. And even though I know you guys are going to be listening to this on Christmas Eve for Christmas Day, this is not uh, specifically a Christmas message. Um, these, these, again, are sermons that I put together that I've already preached in the church in times past. So this one was from back in March. But even so, uh, we want to make sure that we pay attention and give reverence to the the time of the season, the reason why we we slow down and we we worship God and the birth of Jesus Christ during this period of time. And with that, you know, we can be blessed. And uh, so go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and move on. The text that we're going to be working from today is Acts 14, 1 through 7, and then verses 19 through 23 as well. So our lives are often spent chasing a dream or a goal. Sometimes we are motivated and disciplined in seeing our dreams and goals come to reality. We some we work tirelessly and, and excitedly full of energy and zeal during these, these initial starting phases, these periods of time. Other times the work can grind us down and we become tired and depressed. And you know how, how we behave in those times is how we will decide whether we're going to grow or will we slowly begin to decay? There's always, you know, an idea of of either you're moving forward in growth, or you're just you're as you as you slow down and become idle, or lethargy sets in. You just begin to become less and less as you decay. I've seen this in my own life many many times. It seems that I can keep energy and excitement for about three months. Uh, on a project, that's my typical growth cycle. I can maintain all the the needed energy and zeal for a given task for about that that three month window, and then I always seem to, you know, hit a wall. Sometimes it's it's only a small wall, and I'm able to like quickly jump over it or or get right back on track. But other times it feels like an insurmountable obstacle, and I can get overwhelmed and find myself wanting to quit. And I'm sure like you know we've all dealt with this, but this is just a you know me being honest and and uh, trying to be real here is the fact that you know we all we all have these feelings, and we all deal with this battle of how do I continue on, how do I keep moving forward when I don't feel like moving forward, and maybe my intrigue by this, or like my my interest in you know growth and and moving forward and hitting like moving past like hitting a wall maybe maybe that's why i have such a love for endurance sports like long distance hiking and stories of explorers and settlers which brings me to a quick story or my intro is we're going to look at david goggins you know david goggins is 
is an, he's just a, an amazing, you know, creature as far as what he's able to accomplish with his mental strength and his, his physical strength. David started running in 2005. And at the time he weighed 280 pounds. He first thought about running a distance, like a, a distance longer than a marathon, even though he never run a marathon before once when he lost some friends that in the military, he's a military Navy SEAL. And so he was committed to, to raising money for charity, to helping families like that of the, of those, his friends that had passed away. And we'll, we'll look at that in a little bit more detail as we kind of continue on, but he decided he wanted to run the bad water to like super you know, ultra marathon, if you will, to achieve that fundraising goal. But he was told he would have to do a hundred miler first because the bad water, I, I can't remember exactly how long it is. I think it, it, it's over like 150 or something, or I don't can't remember. It's not important, but even so he, he had to, in order to qualify to run the bad water, cause that's running through the, you know, death Valley, California, he had to prove his capability and do this hundred miler first. So he went and did that just four days later. And keep in mind at this point, he had yet to run a marathon and he had started out in a race to run a hundred miles. So yes, he was a Navy SEAL, but he it's a different skill set to run a marathon. And it's even a, a different skill set beyond that to run an ultra marathon. Regardless, he finished that first hundred miles in just under 19 hours in 2005. But he suffered kidney failure and broke several bones in his feet. Just a few weeks later, he ran his first marathon at a time of 3.08. Most runners who run a 100-miler would not be able to do any type of speed work for a while, but David crushed his first marathon in a time of 3.08, shortly after running his first 100-miler. From that point, he began to run many endurance events, ultra-marathons, triathlons, he does this even though he says he hates to run, hates to bike, hates to swim. He does all of this to raise to raise money for charities that are near his heart. A few years ago, he described his daily journey as rising very early in the morning to run 15 miles, bike 25 miles to work, run another 5 to 8 miles during lunch, and then bike 25 miles home. Sometimes he would run a few more miles after the after that before doing his weights, his weight workouts. And all, all the while, this is when he was an active duty Navy SEAL. So that's that's the you know the craziest part of this is he's doing all this extra stuff on top of what his normal workload would be as a Navy SEAL. Which brings me back to the reason why he started running and doing all these events is because of some of his fellow Navy SEALs that had died in Afghanistan, and he wanted to do something to help their families and honor their memory. So he began running for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. The foundation says they believe he has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for the families of those fallen soldiers. So even though his pain and his, his all of this punishment that he's put his body through, he's he's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for for those that are what he considers part of his you know larger extended Navy SEAL family, and and above that his Special Operations family. So let's look at our text, Acts 14, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll jump down to verses 19 through 23. So this is about Paul and Barnabas at Iconium. Now, 
At Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hand. But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them. They learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country, and they continued to preach the gospel. So now we jump down to you know, verse 19. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed the elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This brings me to my first point, which is better training. Prepare for the job ahead. Back when I was a hydraulics mechanic, I over I overhauled hydraulic actuators. This would normally take me about 45 minutes, but when it was a subsafe actuator, it would take a week. Subsafe just simply means that it's a an extra criteria to make something safe for installation into a submarine. So you've got a big old sub going under the water, they want to make sure everything's going to go right because this is a critical component towards them being able to submerge and and uh, and resurface. The reason why this added time you know, to, to the, the overhaul of an actuator is because of all the planning. These critical components had to be done perfectly right every time. We had to track everything. We had to have a plan written out and we had to get everyone involved and onto the same page. So better training starts with better planning, but not at the sake of action. The work still has to get done. Throughout the scripture, we see men of faith like Apostle Paul, guys like David. Goggins might be known as pretty hardcore and tough guy these days, but he doesn't have anything on our Apostle Paul and many of the other heroes of the faith. What we can learn from Paul as well as David Goggins is that we could see that we have a part to play in mental toughness. When I hit a wall and when I'm exhausted or I feel like a failure, we can look at men like this and we can see how they continue to get up. That we need to also pull ourselves up. We have to continue to get up. David Goggins gets up every day and suits up for his brothers in arms, the lost, the lost and their kids. He desperately wants to give every day Every every day, something back to his community. And even though this is an earthly goal, it's noble, but it's still a very earthly goal. It is enough for him to go run on broken legs and finish his races. He trains every day to be better prepared for the task at hand. What should we do then? Like the Apostle Paul, we have something even more important to get up that should be getting us up every morning. Our work is to pick up the mantle of the apostles, to pick up where our leaders of the faith have left off. We have a duty to fulfill this great commission that we received from Christ. In Colossians 3.2, it says, set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are of the earth. But pastor, why, 
We are not all called to plant churches, to be evangelists, to operate in public ministry. I fully understand that we all have different callings within the body of Christ, but the reality is the same, that we are all called to prepare for the work that Christ has or Christ does have for us to do. In Colossians 3, 23-24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. The reality is that we are all in an endurance race. We should all want to finish, but in order to keep running this race, we need to train better. David Goggins was already in fantastic shape, and in a Navy SEAL, he ran his first 100-mile race. Even with all of David Goggins' training, he still ended up breaking himself and tearing himself up. We should look at this as proof that even the best of us have work to do, and even the worst of us can get better. Clearly, this is going to be the most obvious statement made, but you need to follow your training plan. You need to have consistently, you know, you need to be consistently building yourself for the race. When I hit a wall and I hit them all the time, I try to find ways to get up off the floor, regroup and get moving again. I might be moving slowly at first, but there's a natural medicine in moving forward. In relation to our great calling, it is important to remember 2 Timothy 3.6, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in the righteous for and for training in righteousness. The word of God is the plan. It is written out and details our actions, and it tells us how we should fuel ourselves for this mission. This brings me to my next point, which is better fueling. Matthew 4 4 says, But he answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. I was looking at a a running blog when thinking about better fueling. And I came across this article that that talks about better fueling in in this way. If you've done your base building correctly, you've helped teach your body how to use little more fat than carbs for fuel, which means you won't need quite as much fuel on race day. But as you increase intensity, your body is going to start burning more carbs and looking for quick, easy sources of energy. You don't need to be taking in hundreds of calories per hour, but you do need to be giving your body some fuel. Eat a solid breakfast a few hours before the race to ensure your glycogen stores are topped off and you've got enough not to feel hungry. Starting line fueling with pre-workout or caffeine, shot block or whole food options at 5, 12, 18, and 23 mile increments. This extra shows us, and you might be thinking, like, what did that have to do with anything? But this this chunk of this article shows us how athletes have to really think and prepare for a marathon race. How even during the race, they, they must take care to fuel their bodies if they hope to complete the race. As we strive to serve God, we must also take heed to feed ourselves through the word and the scripture and cultivating our prayer life. Sometimes we neglect both our spiritual and physical nutrition. Let's look at this next part of David Goggins' story. A few years ago, his hard training began to actually hurt more than normal, and he went to his doctor and found that he had a hole in his heart from birth. The hole was the size of a poker chip. It took a couple of surgeries to fix his heart. Believe it or not, he had run dozens of races and ultramarathons, went through Hell Week, Navy SEAL training, and other events with this hole in his heart. That takes some kind of incredible willpower to push through that pain that he must have endured. Not that I'm suggesting anyone pushes through that much pain, but fortunately, 
They were able to repair his heart and he was back running after many months of recovery. This draws a picture that we often, you know, oftentimes will neglect the issues of the heart. We will push ourselves to the brink with the wrong kind of work. And this can lead us to ignore the core issues that are causing us to hit a wall. As we grow in, in any endeavor, we must understand that it is a building process and we have to allow God the time to work on our hearts and prepare us for the work that he has for us. First Corinthians 3, 2 again says, I, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. The apostle Paul was dealing with new believers constantly as he built churches throughout his travels. He had to learn to teach and train people at the level that they were at. And we have to understand that in order to endure for the whole race, we need to conserve our energy and patiently wait on the Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And this brings me to my final point. Better pacing. In every kind of endurance race, the professionals will tell you that you have to you, you have to pace yourself. There is an absolute need to pace yourself. When I was in high school, I ran cross country. I wasn't particularly good. In fact, I was downright mediocre. But regardless, I learned a lot from the experience that cross country is a team sport and it's scored as a team. The cumulative score of the entire team, team's finishes, would be added up and the team with the most points would win the meet. This meant that finishing as strong as you could as an individual could still have a huge impact on the team's success. I remember one race out in the California desert town of Boron. It, it was a really hot, really dry day. It was one of my slowest runs that entire season. The town is a borax mining town and it had a certain smell to it like rotten eggs. So as I was slogging through this horrible run, I remember passing a few other runners as we grin, you know, our, you know, went up this grueling hill. It was a sandy hill too. So you imagine running up a sandy hill in the heat of the California desert. As we approached the finish line, I had to do everything to maintain my slim lead in the hopes to gain a couple extra points. I was far from first place in this race, but as one of the anchors on my team, I was still able to come in just ahead of enough runners to help us win this meet. My contribution was not amazing, but I finished strong. My only strength in running is a determination to keep going. And in our text, we see Paul do the same thing in verses 5-7. through seven, We see Paul and Barnabas catching wind of a plot to stone them. Paul was determined to continue on in his race, and in verse 19, we saw that he was stoned and left for dead. But in verse 20, we saw that he got up. The very next day, he was out there preaching again. Paul understood that the outcome today did not have to determine his success tomorrow. He was focused on his heavenly success, and he left the outcome in God's hands. This is how he came, or this is how we can pace ourselves. We focus on the actions that will help us be successful, but the outcome is left to God. As a fellowship, we're called to world evangelism. We can focus on sharing the gospel and witnessing to everyone. We give our time to the things of God. We support the things of God with our finances, but the results are in God's hands. We are running a marathon. But unlike David Goggins, 
running an ultra marathon, an Ironman, or any other endurance challenge, we do not know how long this race will last. That is why we rest in the Lord. That is why we give ourselves or we give up our burdens to Christ. That is the only way we will be able to continue to fight the good fight and run the race till the end. Better pacing. You've heard it said that you need to stay in control during this. This is another excerpt that I'm pulling from that article about, you know, marathon running training. When I talked about better pacing, I said, you've heard that you need to stay in control during those first miles when the energy is high. But did you know it? it's to help prevent hitting the wall? Taking off in that initial surge burns through those quick carbs as your heart rate shoots way up and it expends too much energy. We need to first make the first miles your slowest miles. Likely won't happen, but thinking that way will help you hold back. Try not to spend a ton of energy dodging other runners. Settle into your goals and pace quickly rather than aiming to negative splits. Don't try to pick up the pace until you pass mile 21 still feeling strong. These ideas of better pacing can be all extrapolated into the spiritual. You know, when you're starting out, don't try to like, you know, get saved one day and go to seminary the next. It'll it'll bog you down. That's in fact why one of the reasons why as like a fellowship we don't send people to seminary is we, we do in, in-house discipleship is because oftentimes you'll go and you can lose the fire. But first, just make those first miles, those first you know days or months or weeks, months with Christ, just to get used to it. You can dig into the word of God. Sure, that's all good. But just you do it with an understanding that you have to grow. Don't try to like, outpace others or do more than everybody else that you're around, you're going to wear yourself out. Settle in and and focus in on Christ. And here's David Goggins' 10 rules for success, but I'm going to put a biblical twist on these as well. So he says, number one, go towards the truth. Don't run away from the truth. Don't forget who you are. The world needs unique people. And as David says, the only way I became successful was going towards the truth. As painful and as brutal as it is, it changed me. It allowed me to become, in my own right, who I am today. John 14, 16 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. David Goggins' number two says, have a cookie jar. Believe in your accomplishments and your failures. Put them in a cookie jar. And when you feel everything isn't going well, reach into the cookie jar and remember who you are. This speaks to me of strengthening your prayer life. Keeping a list of needs and answered prayers. Number three, get out of your routine. If you if you're if you live in a comfort zone, it becomes your everyday norm. It stops you from gaining new experiences, knowledge, and development. Witness and strive to serve in new ways for the purpose of Christ. That's how I pull this one in. Number four, thicken your skin. Don't tap around the truth trying to find the right words. Tighten up. It's okay. No matter what they call you, it's okay. They don't own you. Only you own your life. So the way I look at this one is we need to expect persecution for Christ's sake and understand that he is, or he who is with us is greater. In 2 Kings 6.16, he said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Number five is breaking through walls. 
Every wall has a door. Just reach for the key in your pocket and don't be scared of what is on the other side. Number six is ask yourself, what if? What if I can be that person I want to be? What if I can pull off a miracle? What if I hadn't tried? What if I can be that guy? Because you can. Number seven, be driven. You got to believe you're the hardest guy in the world. You did it. Drive will take you places unfathomable to ordinary men. Number eight is accept your journey. Don't be afraid to take your journey. Don't take the easier path. Accept it because after suffering, you'll have it your way. Number nine is give back. Pass your message to kids and people around you, people who are in need, people who lack motivation and drive. And number 10 is test your limits. Train until you're, you feel uncomfortable. You wake up from a run and it's just raining cats and dogs. No excuses. Go out. Don't set the bar high. Don't strive to be excellent just to give it your all. I think you can sum up the rest of these, all of this stuff that you know David Goggins is top 10 in, into a very understandable way is that we're doing all of this unto the Lord. Don't beat yourself up on the results. Just go out and give your best. Even if you're you're super tired and worn out, just go out and give it, give your best. If you, all you can muster is five minutes of something, go out and give it and give it your all. Because we are running a race. Just like the apostle Paul talks about, he ran his race. And we're, we're doing this for the Lord. So don't let, you know, when you hit the wall, don't let that be the end. You know, hit the wall, fall down, brush yourself up, reevaluate and continue on. Look for that door, as David Goggins said. Look for way around the wall. Just keep moving forward. Doesn't matter how fast, just keep moving forward. So that's as we close, you can if if I could have every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're if you're driving, obviously no. Keep keep your eyes open and drive. This message is is really one that's for me, just as much as I hope it's for somebody else out there. Because I believe that as a driven individual and driven individuals in life, you know, we all tend to hit the wall and and sometimes that can that can put us flat in our butt where we're just like, man, I don't know what to do. But we have to be able to pick ourselves up and continue moving forward, just like David Goggins did and like he does. But even more so, like our like our Apostle Paul does, like all the, the leaders of the faith do. All those people we can read about, like King David in the Bible, they hit walls, they fell down, they screwed up, they, but they turned to God, they repented, and they got back up and they continued forward. When you're exhausted, when you're tired, brush yourself up and start moving forward. If this message did touch your heart and you're you've hit a wall, you're depressed, you're being really hard on yourself, and you you maybe you know that you're not right with God, but you want to be, then I, I want you to you know signify that with an uplifted hand. You know, I can't see it, but God can. And this is about you, it's not about me. And if you did that, if you raised your hand, then I want you to pray a prayer. A prayer with me. Just repeat, dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and that he died on the cross for me. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sins. And I accept 
Jesus as my Savior. I ask him to enter my heart and be my Lord. And I thank you for the grace, for salvation through grace. And I give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a simple prayer. We just call that the sinner's prayer. There's no real set standard to it other than a, the admission of uh, that you're a sinner. Because we're all fallen short of the glory of God. The acceptance of Jesus as your Savior. And, and just you, that's it. Receiving of, of salvation through grace. He has his hand out for you. And if you pray that prayer and you meant it, and you absolutely meant it, then you've reached up. You've reached up and he and he's grabbed you out of the murky water and he's lifted you up into the boat of salvation. So I want again, you know, as we close, thank everybody listening today. And I, I can't wait for you to come back next time. And I hope you have a tremendous Christmas. And just remember the reason that we we celebrate Christmas is that we're giving reverence to the gift that was given to mankind when Jesus Christ came to earth in human flesh as a servant. And it starts the, 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 the race towards Easter when we again look at the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made when he hung on the cross and the ultimate victory when he rose from the grave. So remember that, that we're worshiping the fact that Jesus, God in flesh, came to earth. But it starts the revelation that he also, as a servant, went to the cross and died for your sins, my sins, our sins. For those who will turn to him in repentance and acceptance of his grace can be saved. So with that, I want to again wish you just a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. I can't wait for you to come back next time. Thank you for listening to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.